You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Billy on up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris. His name is Ed. This is Sacks in the Basement. For fans, by fans, 30 minutes of Sacks. We are out twice a week. The schedule is going to get really crazy, I think, when the postseason occurs because we want to make sure that we cover everything and we're with you throughout it. And there's going to be a clinching coming up very soon. We're going to get into that today. There's so much to cover in just 30 minutes as the White Sox march on toward the playoffs. And it's all brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. Remember, if you mention Socks in the Basement, you get money off and they cover everything that has to do with protecting your home from bowing walls, sump pump solutions, window wells and covers, yard drainage solutions. Look, uh, fall's coming. It's going to get wet. It's going to get weird out there. You don't want that stuff coming into your home. And you also don't want to wait until spring to fix these problems. Uh, Think about this. All right. Winter's going to hit. Lots of snow on the ground all of a sudden. And then when it thaws, it's all running into your basement. Check out your foundation. Give them a call today, 24-7-708-330-4466. Or visit them at FamilyDry.com. A ton of moves on Tuesday by the White Sox, Ed. Well, they're just trying to shake some stuff up. What do you think's going on? Well, I know. I mean, it's more of a, they got to get Anderson back on the team. He's activated. That's big. Uh, Giolito's activated, so he's back into the rotation. Uh, Andrew Vaughn going to the 10-day injured list. Uh, I thought that was interesting. They're putting down lower back inflammation. Tony said his legs were tired. I think he just is a young player, and we talked about this already last week. A young player who's going through a very long season for the first time who's wearing out. And you can see those numbers dropping off across the board for him. And this is, hey, kid, let's get you some rest. Okay? Like, to put it harshly, you're kind of sucking lately. Um, you're, you're very, very tired and you need a break. Like, I think that's what that conversation probably was. Yeah, well, and, and I think some of it might actually be them trying to sit there and say, all right, let's just take Vaughn out of the equation for a moment and figure out who else we want to have in that outfield DH rotation because I think there's questions about how much you want to use Gavin Sheets I think there could be questions about Billy Hamilton and Brian Goodwin and we've gone over their stats and why they belong each one of those guys or why maybe they don't belong but I think you also have a decision coming up when Adam Engel comes back he's the big return that I'm waiting for he he's likely back at some point during the series against Texas this coming weekend in in Texas. Uh, He has the third highest weighted runs created, WRC plus, on the entire White Sox team this year. He's a big contributor for you. He also is your best hitter. This is crazy. I mean, sample sizes are different because guys get injured, guys come back. He has the highest OPS on your team against right-handed pitching. Now, remember, for years, he, he wasn't that good at it. But in 2020, he was a better guy against righties than lefties. And he's had a, a, a fairly good sample size so far this year, showing that that has continued where he's figured out right-handed pitching. And we know that he does well historically against lefties. He's a good defensive player. If you can get a healthy Adam Angle out there, it changes everything for your team. 
It's a big contribution in your lineup, and you need him. And I want him back and healthy. Like, don't rush him up here, but him coming back, if he gets back and I hear I'm feeling the best I've felt all year long, I'm getting goosebumps. Oh, yeah. And and you really, when you stop and think about what we've seen in some of these games where you have somebody like, well, the other day, when you have Brian Goodwin coming up against a left-handed reliever, and people are questioning why Andrew Vaughn's not out. Well, now we know that maybe there's some injury issue there. But, you know, that's a situation where, whether it's a lefty reliever or a righty reliever, if Adam Engel had been up there, nobody's really even asking that question, right? So he's that guy that when he comes back, if there's questions surrounding some of these dudes that are on the field right now for you, some of these guys that are playing right field or taking these DH, uh, you know, position slots, Engel's not that guy that you're sitting there questioning. So I, I agree with you. I think he, him coming back could be a huge boost. And if he is back and he is healthy, if his legs are really underneath him for the first time all year, and we get down the stretch and into the playoffs, the version of Adam Engel that we had all of 2020, uh, that is a tremendous boost walking into the playoffs. And I don't care if you're on, on the road. I don't care if you're at home. I don't care if you're facing lefties. I don't care if you're facing righties. I don't really care who you're facing. You know what? It, when you look at this team and you break down their splits, he is in the top nine batters against right-handed pitching and the top nine batters against left-handed pitching. The other guys that would fall into the top nine, no matter who's up there, which means they should be out there every day. Grandal, Robert, Abreu, Anderson, Moncada. Okay. I didn't even mention Aloya Jimenez because he doesn't he doesn't actually fit that this year. He's having a rough time against left-handed pitching, but you're going to keep him in there because you're treating this as really the beginning of his season and maybe he needs to still get going. And hopefully you're going to get that by the time October rolls around. Another interesting move was Zach Collins elevated Zebi Zavala sent down. Now, there were people that are very confused yeah. about this. Let, let me, I, I want to point this out. When the White Sox sent down Collins, they had to bring him up 21 days later. If they did not, they were using up his last option. That's going to cause you trouble next year. Right. You know, you, you don't want to give that up. And so they were able to bring him back up again to save the option on him. And it makes sense also because Zavala at the plate, not producing very well. Grandal on fire. In the postseason, Yasmani Grandal starts at the plate Every single game. I, I don't know why you would bring in one of the backup catchers and have them start a game in the postseason. It's postseason time. Get him in there, get him behind the plate every single time. But what Collins brings, and it's really interesting, the league average for OPS this year is around 725, 726. It's been fluctuating a little bit. But that's about the league average for your OPS. That's your, your slugging and your on-base percentage combined. That's about where your average is. Zach Collins is within about 25 points of that average against right-handed pitching with a 700 as he returns to this White Sox lineup. Terrible against lefties, but he's at least in there. He would be, if we go with the plan that I've been talking about and you've talked about, and Jordan Lozowski was on the show on Saturday, check him out on demand at SoxInTheBasement.com or anywhere podcasts can be found, and we talked about the, the possible roster in the postseason. If you go with 14 position players and 12 pitchers and you keep that extra guy and you bring sheets along, Collins is the second best guy after Sheets coming off the bench against right-handed pitching. If you start all the guys that should start against a right-handed pitcher, your most optimal lineup. So, you know, he could be a contributor in the postseason. We said a few weeks ago, no way Zach Collins makes this. It's 
it's totally Zebi Zavala. But Zavala's dropped off. And with Grandal back, you sit there and you say, yeah, he's a really good defensive option, but how much are you going to use him in the postseason? Do you think Collins actually ends up grabbing that spot and he's the backup catcher in the postseason? It's possible because I think you can look at, at the hitting, but I think you also have to look defensively. And that's where we felt like maybe Sebi had an advantage. One was he was just doing better at the plate overall, but that's that's changed. The other thing is that he is, you know, Maybe the better defensive catcher. Well, he, he's the better defensive catcher. I think that's obvious. He's the better defensive catcher. And, and I was going to say, statistically, you know, it, it bears that out. Zach Collins has some pretty brutal numbers behind the plate. And one that I, I'm looking at right now is um, defensive runs saved. You have Sebi Zavala's at a negative two. So he's in the negative. Uh, by comparison, Yasmani Grandal, he's also in the negative, but negative one for his career this year. He's actually not had a great run at it, but that's okay because, you know, he hasn't caught a a heck of a lot of games and he's just trying to get back into it. Zach Collins numbers are ugly. Uh, You know, he's got this year, he's got a negative 18. I I mean, he is, he's cost the Sox more runs behind the plate than, than anything. But I think if it comes down to offense, if they're sitting there saying, look, from a defensively neutral standpoint and the fact that we would only use Zach Collins behind the plate in a situation where we had to pull Yasmani Grandal, in a situation where, you know, maybe it's just for an inning and a double switch type of a situation, uh, you know, if we had to go that route or if Yaz's knee starts barking, they may just be looking at it offensively. And like you said, then you look at the splits, you look at the left-handed bat against right-handed batters, and, and you look at what Sebi does versus what Yaz does. And yeah, Collins maybe makes more sense in that situation. I think they still go with 14 position players. And if Gavin Sheets falls off, they'll keep two catchers, two backup catchers. They'll keep three total. They'll have Zavala in case they have like something happens to Grandal and they need to put him behind the plate and they'll have Collins for the hitting. It's crazy to think that right now, but I would say like we've been talking about, well, what's the battle for that last spot on the playoff roster? It might just be if Sheets does fall off and he hasn't had a very good week here the last week. I'm not panicking about him. I still think he's a he's a good player and you get him in there. And with Vaughn now on the I.L., I think you're going to see Sheets get, you know, even more appearances at the plate. So we're going to figure this out really quickly as to whether or not Gavin Sheets should be on the roster. But if he is still an above-average to high-end production type guy at the plate against right-handed pitching, then he goes, and then you're going to have to decide between Zavala and Collins. If he falls off and it's like, well, that was kind of a flash, but it wasn't real, then three catchers is a is a viable possibility that you might actually see this team do. The other thing that bears watching is how is Yaz's knee responding? Because if they're not talking about it, but if he's having a problem... They'll definitely keep through catchers if there's any question about his health. Socks in the basement listeners do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the south side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota, and one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. 
and they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. Do not forget that Soxtoberfest is almost upon us. Socks in the Basement's Soxtoberfest kicks off officially on the 26th of September at the Dixie Highway Brewery Trail Oktoberfest at Blue Island Beer Company right there in the heart of Blue Island. Uh, go online, uh, look at the Mismatch Socks blog at SocksInBasement.com and you can follow the links and get yourself tickets while they last or otherwise just go to uh, Blue Island Beer Company's website or any of the other breweries on the Dixie Highway Brewery Trail and get yourself some passes before they run out. Then the Evergreen Park Oktoberfest occurs on the 2nd of October, we'll be out at that as well. All these events, we're going to have all kinds of swag, hats and koozies and just fun stuff. We're going to hang out. We're going to record some segments. We're going to meet the fans. Uh, we're going to have a blast at this. We're going to drink an awful lot of beer. But they've moved the Evergreen Park one, Ed, a block away from my house now. So you, you're saying you get to stumble home afterwards. If, if you get me, you know, look, if I drink enough of them, I might take fans back to the nine foot homemade oak bar. I'm not making any promises okay. because Mrs. Lanuti might be like, you're not bringing all these strangers into my house, but we'll be a block away <laughs> from the famed nine foot homemade oak bar here that we do socks in the basement from. And, and, you know, like you might get me going at that. And I might be like, let's go, everybody. And, you know, the guys in the later hose in the tuba and and all of us will just walk up the block. That, that's a complete It'll possibility. It'll be like the that. parade in Ferris Bueller's Day <laughs> Off, just leading up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar with him singing Don Shane and, you know, doing a Beatles cover. There is It'll be a thing of glory. There is no, like, uh, cost to go to that one. It's at the park. There's, there's a community center right next to what is called Circle. Park or Klein Park, depending on how long you've lived in Evergreen Park, that that sits right at about 97th and Holman. So that's where it's going to be on the south side and the community center right next door and the setup. And I know there's going to be breweries pouring beer and it's going to be one of those events where it's free to go into and then you decide what you want to do. And I know they're doing all kinds of stuff for kids at that event. That that is a that is like a community event. So that's basically fun for the entire family. And that one is on the 2nd of October. Those are the first two events of Soxtoberfest. There are more events to be announced coming up. I want to look at SocksInTheBasement.com. You can leave comments there. You can leave voicemails there. Uh, you can do it from any device. We got one just recently. Here's the question that was posed on it. Charlie asked, uh, or actually said, I'm having trouble with Keuchel. Uh, How long do you think it will take for him to assume a bullpen role? Will it take the return of Rodon? Lynn Giolito for a change to happen. How much damage might occur in the meantime? Well, all those pitchers are back now. So the question is, do they start having Raylo pitch in the spot where Keuchel is and just pull the plug on him right now and see whether or not he goes into the bullpen? Or do you say, we're in the postseason. We don't want to mess up what Raylo's role is. We want him to be settled in because he's definitely going to the postseason. And so... Dallas Keuchel is going to take his next couple of starts and then he's not going to make the playoff roster. I would think it's that the latter thing. I think that they don't make any changes. I'm with you because I don't think, uh, I don't think they're going to be looking at him trying to acclimate to the bullpen for, you know, I, I don't even know if this would be the first time in his major league career. I would have to actually go back and look at everything that Dallas Keuchel has done to see if he's even made relief appearances in the majors. But Regardless, the problems that he's having are not going to change just because he moves to the bullpen. 
Uh, you know, I took a look at him on the Mismatch Sox blog, and I think Dallas Keuchel's got a mechanical issue where his release point is off. And it's something that could be fixed because his stuff, other than lower velocity from, from his prime years, his stuff is still moving, according to the, the pitch effects, at the same rate. So I really think you have to say that they're going to keep Raylo in that swing role. They're going to keep him there as a reliever and keep him in that position because that's where he's going to have the value. That's where he's going to be the guy that comes in. Let's just say, for example, pick one of the starters that we know is going to make it. I'll pick on Dylan Cease because he's the youngest guy. Let's say that Cease has a rough outing and Tony's got to pull him after, you know, two and a third or something like that, right? That's Lopez's game. Do you really want Dallas Keuchel coming in out of the bullpen? No. In that game? I don't. No, I don't, right. don't want to see him. No. I don't want to see him. And you have to go back, if you're wondering how long it's been since he's been a reliever, he had uh, nine relief appearances in 2013 as a member of the Astros. So he's not used to being a reliever. Big prediction, Ed. He does not make the postseason roster. He's uh, he's a prideful guy from what I can see. He goes off in the offseason. He works on some stuff. He comes back with a rebound year next year. And, and I really believe that is the path for Dallas Keuchel going forward. Uh, Liam Hendricks was on MLB Central on Tuesday morning on the MLB Network. And he was talking about the fact that he's a nominee for the Roberto Clemente Award. I'm actually going to be out at Cork and Carey at the park on uh, Roberto Clemente Day. Just a happy accident that Wednesday night, the whole family, myself, my wife, the three kids, were all going to be out at the ballpark for Roberto Clemente Day. And beforehand, I'm going to stop over at Cork and Carey at the park at 33rd and Princeton. And uh, who knows? I'll bring some hats, some koozies. I'll hand some stuff out. I'll say hi to everybody. I love the food over there. Yeah. I'm watching this interview where they're they're talking about the fact that he's a nominee. And in the middle of it, a comment was made that the White Sox get to coast to the end here. That they've won their division, essentially. It's just waiting to clinch. And they're coasting to the end. And Hendricks responded to that in probably the best possible way that I could have wanted him to respond to it because he said there had been discussions, not one discussion, discussions about this as a team. And as a team, they realized that what the White Sox did last year was take their foot off the gas and coast in. And then they weren't able to turn it on. And that's why, as Liam Hendricks said, Liam Hendricks and the A's were able to take advantage of that and beat the White Sox in the first round last year in the postseason. It not only sounds like the team is very aware of it and Tony's aware of it, but that Hendricks has been vocal telling them, that's why I beat you last year. Don't let that happen again, which I think is great. And it's something that we've been talking about here on the show. They, they can't do that. And he said the next couple of weeks are actually very, very important for this team. Since the month started, they're five and five. They're only 500, but they did take two out of three last weekend here against the Red Sox. That was a big series. And the team that they're chasing, the Houston Astros, are only one game above 500. Neither team is white hot. You know, like that's not that's not happening. But now is the time here in the next couple of weeks, especially with T.A. back. He is really the engine that makes the car go with this offense. Next couple of weeks, I'm expecting him to go out there and kick some butt. I agree. Having T.A. back is going to be a huge thing. But looking at the last 10 for the White Sox, 5-5. Five and five. Looking at the ten, last 10 for the Tampa Bay Rays, 5-5. Five and five. Looking at the last 10 for Houston, Six and four, those are your leaders. But then you've got, like, Toronto, for example, is making their big, huge run right now, right? They're nine and one in their last ten. They are red hot. They are coming for that playoff spot. They're going to get the wild card. And they might even be putting a little bit of pressure on, on Tampa for the AL East title. And then you got the Yankees in Boston are tied. 
for the second wild card. I would love to see the Sox turn it around and put the next two weeks and, and go above 500 and play really, really well. And let Tampa, who, by the way, has an eight-game lead in the AL East, sit there and coast, right? I would love to see Houston, who's got a six-and-a-half-game lead over Seattle and a seven-game lead over Oakland, maybe take their foot off the gas a little bit because all three division leaders are just like the White Sox. They've basically won their division. Uh, The Sox just happen to have the biggest lead. If all three of the AL division leaders were to do a little bit of coasting, and the Sox were to turn it on instead of doing that, they have a really great opportunity of coming out ahead because they're going to get one of the other division guys in that first round instead of you know, potentially catching a white-hot Toronto team or potentially catching you know, a Boston or a Yankees team that is just battle-hardened. You know, they're, they're going to have a much easier time when they've got the home field advantage. The White Sox have the 27th highest strength of schedule left in Major League Baseball. The only three teams that have an easier last, you know, 19, 20 games, the Reds, the Red Sox, and the Phillies. The White Sox have a very easy run here. The only team they really play that's a good team, that's playoff bound, are the Cincinnati Reds for two games. That's it. The other 17 games have Texas, Detroit, Cleveland, and Anaheim. And Meanwhile, the Astros have nine games against competitive teams. They got three against the Rays and six against the A's. They also face Texas and Anaheim, just like the White Sox do. So it's going to be what the White Sox do against Detroit and Cleveland, while the Astros have to face the Rays and Oakland. And that's the moment. It really happens starting now through next week. At that point, you need to be even with them maybe even a game up over them if you want to have home field. I think after that, you're almost kind of there unless something weird happens. You kind of know what your spot is if you're two or three. Just looking at the schedule and who these teams have to face going down the stretch here in the final couple of weeks. It's going to be really interesting, but there's a there's a definite path, even though you're two behind the Astros right now, to make it so they have to visit you more than you have to visit them. And that has to be the focus, like Liam Hendricks said, The next couple of weeks are very important to this team. And the good thing is they know it. And there are several places around town you can watch White Sox games. But why wouldn't you go and watch a White Sox game at Cork and Carey over in Beverly, right along Western Avenue at 10614 Southwestern Avenue? Uh, Cork and Carey's got the location down at the park. I love going there before games. The award-winning burgers, the incredible menu, the ambiance. You're right there at 33rd in Princeton in the shadow of the ballpark. But if you're not going down there, uh, there's a beautiful patio, beautiful outdoor patio enclosed at Cork and Carey in Beverly. There is that that traditional big oak Irish bar that's in there. There's so much history when you walk inside of the building. There are different sized rooms that you can rent out if you're having an event. If you're going to have an event, and, you, and you're in that area, if you're down on the south side, I, I think that that is one of the premier places to do something. Uh, get over to Cork and Carry Beverly, watch a ball game, check out all they have to offer at CorkandCarryBeverly.com. And like I mentioned, I'll be down at Cork and Carry at the park for the Wednesday night game. This episode comes out on Wednesday morning, so if you're listening the day it came out, I'm going to be down there. I'm going to get there beforehand. I'm going to have the kids with me. You see me walking around. Please say hi. I'll try to bring down as much swag as I can carry, but I I don't want to have anything on me when I walk into the ballpark. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to bring a little bit, but if you're going to go Wednesday night, 
for the Anaheim Angels game. Check us out over at Cork and Carey at the park beforehand. If you had a full season of Luis Roberts, you'd be five games over the Astros right now. We'd be sitting around talking about, can we get the one seed? That's how much of a difference it would have made. If you had a full season of him and Aloy, if you wouldn't have had these things, good luck. And that's why I feel so positive about the postseason. I just want to be in the best, you know, the, the best position to win it. And we know that they're likely going to clinch their division either towards the end of this weekend coming up against the Rangers or probably early to midweek at the latest next week uh, against the Tigers on the road. Uh, they got a doubleheader against the Indians. There's no way I think that they finish that doubleheader against the Indians without the divisional crown next Thursday. That's kind of like where I would say by then I would expect they have probably won their division unless the Indians go on a heater or the White Sox go in a tank. And I don't see either one of those things happening. Now, I've been to a division clinching game before, and it's one of those rare things that I don't think a lot of fans get to go to because you're trying to guess when it's going to happen, and then your team has to be at home, and it sucks that they're going to be on the road. I mean, it just it just absolutely sucks they're going to be on the road. It's so much fun, a division championship game, because it's the culmination of like an entire season, and it's exciting because you don't even know going into it if it's going to happen. And I went 93 with my father and sat where the Goose Island section is now before the bullpen bar was even there. So like I was like second row in that stadium. That that seat doesn't even exist anymore because they right. they put where the bar there. It's no longer right. there. That, that that seat, I can't even go to that seat. That seat no longer exists. It's floating somewhere in the air above the bar. That like there used to be a seat there. All right. And I, I went with my father in 93 and it was so random. You know, I was a teenage kid. You know, at 93 I got to be I'm I'm 16. I don't remember 83 well enough. Like I was a little kid. Like I see pictures of myself with my father, like celebrating with his friends and I'm in my 83 Jersey, but I don't remember it very well, you know, cause I was still, I was still yeah. small enough. He was probably sending me to bed, you know, and, and telling me the score the next morning at certain points. I remember watching the clinching game and understanding that it was being clinched in 83. Right. But uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really know that I fully appreciated it. And in 93, I wasn't at the ballpark, but I knew it. I knew it had happened. That that was really all it was. And I didn't. I don't even know that I watched the game. Unfortunately, I think that something else going on kept me away from watching it. I got to go to the game because he had partial season tickets, only because of a draft at the beginning of the year with my sister. And I remember that season was fun because she had randomly decided she was going to keep a scrapbook of the whole year. You know, she's two years younger than me, so she's. She's going to randomly keep a scrapbook of the whole year, mainly because she's in love with Robin Ventura at the time. You know, she's a teenage girl who thinks he's dreamy, which I always thought was weird. But I guess teenage girls thought Robin Ventura was dreamy back then. And she she just keeps this scrapbook from the beginning with like all the newspaper articles. She still has the thing, the 93 season. She's got the whole thing all the way through. And it was just that's the only year she ever scrapbooked it. And she did it that year when they won. But we had to pick games at the beginning of the year that we were going to get to go to. And my mother always got Friday nights. So there was no way you could have those. And we're getting to the end of the picks. And I'm and she's picking games that are coming up early on in the year. And I start grabbing the ones at the end of the year. My dad goes, why do you want to sit out there in the cold? I said, what if we actually go to the postseason? Because we hadn't gone in like 10 years. Like I'm like, what if we actually go? Wouldn't it be great if they clinched? And I picked this Mariners game. And, I, and, he, and, I'm, and he's like, why do you want that game? I'm like, just in case. And we go the whole year. And as we're getting close to it, he's sitting there and he's telling me, he's like, I don't know. You might actually, it might fall on that day. Like as we're getting the magic number and it's going down, I might be going on that day. And I'm super pumped for it. And then all of a sudden I am going. 
And we get to the ball game, and it was the first time. I mean, since then, there's been more exciting things. There was a blackout game I was at. I was at the World Series. I went through that whole run in 05. I went to several playoff games. But that was the first time that I had ever walked into a stadium and felt that buzz before. And then as the game is going on, Bo Jackson hits a home run, and you know, you're getting close to the end. And then eventually, the game comes to a close, and you've won the division. And this first time I got to see an on-field celebration. In fact, I've only seen two on-field White Sox celebrations that like really meant something. And that was when the White Sox clinched the division in 93 and in the 08 blackout game because they didn't win any of their series in 05 at home. So, I mean, like that, like I've seen both of those moments, but I remember like it was so like emotional for me because I'd never seen anything like that in sport until it live in person until that moment. Like, I know that I hugged my dad. And I was like, I love you, dad. Like, I was so excited. And like, we're both like crying in the stands. And it's a shame that we don't get the clinch at home, especially after like the shortened season last year with nobody in the stands. And, you know, this is going to be, this is going to be the first time that this team has gone back to back to the postseason. Like, they, they don't do this. So, I mean, like, I would have loved this if the schedule makers would have had more home games for the White Sox. We really got screwed out of the amount of home games in September. We don't have a lot of them. You know, that that is one of those things where you you, you really do, when you look at the schedule and, it, and you look at it coming out uh, in the spring, and whether or not you're trying to get to these games or not, you do become aware of the idea that, yeah, you know, starting on the 17th of September, you have all these games on the road in a row. I mean, you're really not home again until the 28th, which is you're getting down to the last couple of games of the year at that point, right? You've just got the Reds and you've got the Tigers. So it stands to reason that unless they were really going to clinch it this week, you know, they were going to clinch, you know, either as people are sitting here listening tonight against the Angels or tomorrow against the Angels. Uh, yeah, there's there's really little chance. You don't want them clinching this against the Reds on the 28th or 29th. You don't want them clinching this on the last day of the season because that means things have gone poorly <laughs> over the next two weeks. Right. And we can't, you know, you can't have that either as a fan or as the team. That gets back to Liam Hendricks's point. You can't be coasting and then, you know, and then and then clinch the division on Wednesday the 29th against the Reds. You, you got to clinch it against one of these teams coming up. And... It is going to be one of those things where I guess the only satisfaction you're going to get is that it is going to be against a division rival. You're going to get to do the celebration on on the turf of one of the teams that was chasing you all year. But as a fan, it is it is disappointing, and all you can hope for then is that they win one of the series in the playoffs, and let's hope that there are multiple series wins here in the playoffs, but that they win something at home so that, you know, for for the you know the thousands that can get in that you know we all have that opportunity to sit there and just watch something like that something meaningful and special because you're talking about something that's happened what almost 30 years ago now 1993 and it still sticks with you very clearly we were talking about 1983 and being little kids and having just you know that idea that sort of impression and emotion about the division clincher so I would love, 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 love to have, you know, my nine-year-old kid with me in the ballpark and have him see them clinch either a division or clinch a playoff series or something along those lines and have him have that same moment of, you know, throwing the arms around someone and, and saying, man, I love you. And I just really hope in that situation that he does that to me and not whoever happens to be standing next to us. <laughs> Socks in the basement. 
Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.